Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the CFS Health Recovery Podcast. Super excited to have you here. Episode 14, this is a part four of a five part series where we have five amazing guest speakers who are going to share with you their number one recovery strategy that they did in their own recovery to get healthy and start living again. And so in today's episode, we're exploring this question. When you were just so over being sick and alone and isolated and really just wanted to give up and you could barely cope any longer mentally, how did you get through that? And so you're going to hear from five amazing people who have been where you are, who are out the other end, and they're going to give you their answer. Before we do this, I want to give a big shout out to Michelle in Lifestyle Integration. She just posted an amazing win. One of her goals was to basically do a, a DIY job on an old table and chairs that's been sitting there for ages. And she did this with her daughter over the past month. And she just put up a photo of the before and after. And it's an incredible piece of art, really, what she's done. And so you can imagine some old chairs and tables like you know, kind of rotting wood. And she's just like fully cut out brand new wood. She's done it all herself. And so shout out to you, Michelle, for fulfilling that goal. Doing a great job. I feel like you should be a furniture designer. Very, very fancy, very Swedish style. And so I just want to give a big shout out to you because I think it's just cool that you set a goal, you achieved it, and you have the strength and stamina to do that as well. So big shout out to you. So let's do it. Let's throw it over to our guests and let's talk about what did these five amazing people do when they just felt like giving up and what did they get through? I already know the answers. They are freaking amazing. We did this live and we recorded it for you. So I'm going to throw it over to the guest speakers right now and you can hear them answer this question. Enjoy the episode and we'll speak to you very soon. When you were just so over being sick, alone and isolated and just wanted to give up, and couldn't cope mentally any longer. How did you get through that? Jessica, you look like you want to say something, go for it. Don't hold back. I had this tool. I'm still using it. I could use it even more often, but I had this tool when I was really in that dark place, when I really thought like there's no use, all this is hopeless. I took my journal out and I just wrote all my anxiety and all my sadness out on the paper like really every word and then I turned the page and I started with writing dear Jessica breathe I always started like that dear Jessica breathe and then I kind of just clicked into like a wiser part of me and I just wrote like support and it felt like it was a support from like a true place in me it wasn't just mechanically yeah but this will all pass it wasn't mechanically it was really something organic that happened. So just first writer, I'll just empty, put words to it, turn the page, dear Jessica, breathe, relax. And then just words of support to myself. That helped when it was really dark. Totally. That is such a great tip that I wasn't expecting someone to share tonight. We've done this in coaching calls before. I think we did it in a group sessions, Jessica. I think you might've been in that call. Life's on degradation. I made every single member, everyone had to write a letter to themselves. And it's something that's so powerful when things are tough. And the best part about it is what needs to come out, comes out. You know, what you need will just come out intuitively. You don't even need to try. It's just like, 
your body and your mind and your brain knows what you need. Your soul knows what it needs. But I love the preempt to that, which is empty the bin first. You know, like just get it all out. You can't write a nice loving letter when you're still pissed off and frustrated and angry. So you're just journaling, yeah? You're just literally thoughts on paper. Is that right? Yeah. And I think that for me, it was really, because I know there's also methods where you're just emptying it. You're just writing it out and then you put it aside. But for me, it was for some reason really important to just meet myself from a more loving part. Because mm. it was just heartbreaking to be in that position. It felt so small and helpless. So finding that wiser voice, the knowing, like, and just... <sighs> I've missed you, Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> okay. it's so good it's so good hey Charlie what comes to mind for you I just think that's just so impressive Jess honestly it's really lovely yeah. I think it's amazing yeah it's just yeah so for me I think what I learned to do which helped was to allow myself to feel what I needed to feel instead of sort of you know kind of distracting with outward stuff so I would perhaps you know allow myself more restorative time so that might be sort of journaling or meditation or, you know, some really restorative kind of yoga. But none of this was like never massive stuff, you know, maybe 10 minutes here or 10 minutes there. So I just would do kind of like little and often. And it was kind of a way of sort of like loving myself and allowing myself to sort of heal, you know, so, sort of like an inward hug, if you like. Love that. Uh, Love that. The in, it's the working in again, you know, it's that working in versus working out thing. And that was massive for me, actually, you know, that whole idea that what you put out, you need to put back in. Cause of course that was what I never did. I well, just people, people, people places don't really do that, do they? No, I just, yeah, it was just constant out, 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 you know. Give to the everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be the superwoman. My, you know, I remember a big one for you was with kids remember that you felt like you had to really be there for them all the time and care for them even when they weren't even asking for your care do you remember that we had a huge break uh, yeah yeah and it's you know it's honestly it's still part of me you know where I just feel like I just need to you know be there and what I've learned is that actually them watching me love myself and look after myself is far more valuable especially to, you know, I think I've mentioned my daughter, you know, she's 21 and it's like watching me grow up as I did, you know, this random kind of out, out, out sort of thing. And so, you know, she now sees me sort of take time for myself, set boundaries, heal, love myself, value myself, be patient with myself, you know, all of those things. And that's so much better for my kids to see that. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And you're glowing. You know, feel I'm about it, to cry. Right. I'm about to cry. <laughs> I just remember how hard it was for you, you know, and it's just like, it's think, a, you know, like, to not be able to look after that. I, I don't want to cry. You know, cry if I can get through a Zoom without a tear, it would be a miracle. <laughs> but as a mum, for me, mm. the, the shame that I felt not being able to do what I felt I needed to do for my children and to actually feel responsible for all of the things that they weren't managing because it must have been my fault because I wasn't parenting them properly you know because I wasn't available because I was tired it's really tough Empower. but actually the best thing I did was learn to, to look after myself because I'm so much more available and there's no resentment it's just kind of you know because that was another thing you know I was so exhausted so exhausted all the time and then I'd be grumpy because somebody wanted something else 
<laughs> which obviously I'd already offered. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we had some tough conversations, but just how empowered is that? You, you're coming from a place of empowerment, you know, and I think before it was coming from this like place of frustration and lack. And, exactly, and, lack. Yeah, it's a yeah. really good word. Yeah, and just yeah. Yeah, so powerful. Yeah, B, what comes to mind for you? Thanks for sharing, Charlie. <laughs> for me as well, it was probably a combination of the two. Like, I cried a lot. I am a very smiley, positive person. And I think that was very important for me to, you know, do that kind of self-cheating and remind myself very rationally, like, that even if I felt like I was alone and isolated and this was never going to end, that I had all this rational proof that it wouldn't but at the same time as I think that kind of positive cheerleading for me was super important I did also cry pretty much every day for like years but not all day every day but like probably once or twice a day you know and then it would, I would feel it all and then I had felt it and then I could feel better again and I think for me that was a really big one and also be able to learn how to cry in front of people in my life so not just like have to hide it and be like, oh yeah, but you know, recovery's going great. And you know, it's all good. And you know, I'm making progress and then secretly go cry. I would cry on the phone to my friends or my parents, like with my partner. Cause I think that was also for me, very important to be, I don't have to hide the fact that this is hard because it was hard. So I think that, and then just journaling, I do the same thing and it's so good. <laughs> I also think what helped was noticing that it was the same things that came up again and again. Right when I did the journaling of feeling all the things, every time it was like, I'm never going to get better or like, I'm alone or like, my friends are going to leave me, <laughs> whatever it was, mm. but it would kind of go and repeat. I would eventually notice. And then I'd be like, okay, hang on. I've worried and been sad and upset about the same things for like years, but they have never happened. <laughs> and then you can write back to yourself in a supportive way. So yeah, I think a bit of a mix of things yeah I, I just think that's so important to feel it too to not pretend that you have to like kind of what jessica was saying at the beginning like not managing recovery perfectly also emotionally right to constantly be upbeat about it like no <laughs> you mentioned it's hard yeah the difference between understanding and knowing it's hard versus talking about how hard it is all the time is two very different things Right. We had a member this morning say, oh, this is great, but it's so hard to do. I pulled that person up and we had a conversation with uh, our guest speakers, two types of people, <laughs> the people who are doing really well at life and succeeding and writing books and building homes and starting yoga retreats. It's hard, but they don't talk about it. They know it's hard and they continue to show up and just do what's necessary to move forwards. Yeah. Versus the other person says, oh, I really want that, but oh, but it's just so hard. And oh no, I can't, it's too hard to write the book. I just, you know, I can't do it. And so just want to kind of bring that to the awareness too, of really totally great to acknowledge that it's hard, super necessary, but maybe not that enhanceful to talk about how hard it is all the time, because that's certainly not a good use of energy. I think the meditation really helped me and having a gratitude journal and focusing on even though I wasn't where I wanted to be I would pay attention to the very small things that were starting to change 
just the baby step. So I remember I used to do this breathing activity where you bring one hand up and bring one hand down and that would really ground me and make me feel really calm. And it was exhausting to me in the beginning to just be lifting my arms, but I focused on that one thing for a month. And then at the end of the month, it was easy to me. <laughs> and then I would walk from my couch to the kitchen, like maybe 10 times. And then the next week I'd be like, all right, now I can do it 15 times. So I just focused on the very small wins. And even though to, I don't want to say a healthy person, because I think we're all healthy, even to someone who their capacity to do more was, you know, different than mine, it was still a big deal. And it made me happy. Those, those small wins. But here's the thing that Lauren hasn't mentioned that she once said before, if your whole body is in pain, right? Your legs, your stomach, whatever's going on. Find one part of your body that's not in pain, focus on that. And uh, I think that's so powerful because, you know, when you are feeling so shit, it's so easy just to focus on all the crap. But I really love that one piece of advice, you know, just find the one body part. Could be the finger, could be your nose, could be your forehead, whatever it is. Find that one body part that is relaxed that is feeling free that isn't in pain and focus on that instead and so again you know th th that's the difference between staying where you're at or expanding your focus on something that you want and one takes you backwards one takes you forwards and so it comes down to a choice yeah it fundamentally comes down to the decision you make in that moment every moment and that's just what i see time and time again you know you just see it in the world too it's like people who just keep complaining about their problem. And <laughs> it's like my first tip, stop talking about your problem. That will be a good start, you know, moving forward. What comes to your mind, Akil? Thanks for sharing, Lauren. So I had a couple of things. So yeah, similar to Lauren, like doing meditation and breathing practices really helped me. But then when I was getting into those kind of negative downward spirals, I find just having some sort of support would really help because sometimes it's just too much and it's just like oh this is just too much i can't manage like that feeling inside one thing that really helped was actually your youtube videos like those little snippets on you can't change the weather but you can choose how to deal with it or what to do when you're in a crash those little things would just make me be like okay it's all right i can just relax and this will pass so i guess the three things would be the meditation breathing practices, the little YouTube mindset reminders, and just having support from friends and family. Those would be the big things during those overwhelming times. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Great stuff. Amazing. He'll just quickly, just a recap. What were those three things again? It was. Yeah. So first one was meditation and breathing practices. Yeah. Second thing was those little YouTube one minute, two minute mindset videos. Reminders. Yeah. And then the third thing was just having the support, friends, family, and some of my teachers as well really help just get the spiral going back. Yeah. Together. Totally. 
back on the green line. You just type in CFS help on YouTube and there's literally like 500 videos on there or something over like 15 years. Even when I was a little baby, there's videos from 15 years ago and I had like little baby cheeks and my sister made me wear her makeup for the first video I ever shot. You can go back and see it. it's horrible. I had to read from a script. I was so nervous, but I did it. Yeah. And I put it up and I kept moving forwards. <laughs>